right, so we're going to talk about the swimming qualifiers, and this was in, um, let's see, Omaha, this is where this was, and now some of you may be confused if you don't watch swimming, or if you only watch swimming in the Olympics, like me, <laughs> um, you can say, I'm going to do a race for this and this and this, so you can do multiple events, same with track. And if you qualify, you qualify, and you have to do all of them. If you only qualify for one, you only do that one in the Olympics. It's pretty simple. But there's no team selection like there is in gymnastics or anything like that. But in swimming, if you make it, you make it. Pretty simple. And uh, then you're on the team. For diving, I think it goes by the same rules. Do not quote me on that but I'm pretty sure. So in the men's 400 individual, some races, they qualify one, two, and three. Some is just one and two. They obviously go by time. And if it's close, they review it and give the qualification to whoever they see fit. And that happened a lot in this trials. There were a lot of close calls. So Chase Caliz, was the number one qualifier, and Jay Litherland was number two. So, basically, if you get confused on the length, like the 400 meters, the, you know, other lengths, that it can get confusing. How I see it, 400 meters, you cross the pool four times. 100 is only once. That's kind of how I measure it, because in track and in in swimming, it can get confusing. You're like, how much is 5,000 meters? I don't know. Um, so that's kind of a measurement that I use because math is not my strong suit. <laughs> so, um, uh, men's 400 meter freestyle, Kiernan Smith and Jake Mitchell. Excuse me. Uh, hold on. Backtrack. What was the first name? What was the first name? Yes. Kiernan Smith. Oh, I thought you said Pyramid Smith. I was like, no. what? No, no. My name is a pyramid. I am no. all four angles. I don't know where I came from. I just love ancient aliens. Uh, in the women's 400 individual, Emma Weant and Hallie Flickinger. And actually, I think it's Haley, not Hallie. Haley. She was in Rio, I believe, and she was good. Now, the notable names did not qualify, which is interesting. So... Women's 100 meter butterfly, Tori Husky, that's a cool name, and Claire Curzon. And then we have the men's 100 breaststroke, Michael Andrew and Andrew Wilson. In the women's 400 meter freestyle, who else but Katie Ledecky? Ah, oh, I love her. <laughs> Paige Madden. So, in the 400 meter freestyle, Katie Ledecky did it in four minutes. Four minutes. That's a minute. Damn. A, a pass. <laughs> She's the fastest yep. swimmer, fastest female swimmer of all time. The female Michael Phelps. And men's 200 meter freestyle, Kiernan Smith. Now, okay, see, in the men's 200 meter, they take five qualifiers. So it just depends on the race. And Kiernan Smith, Townley Haas, Drew Kibler, um, Zach Apple. 
is a name. Um, wow. Zach Apple, love it. Women's 100 meter backstroke, Reagan Smith and Ryan White. Men's 100 meter backstroke, Ryan Murphy, who's actually one of my favorite swimmers. I really like how he, how he does it. And then Hunter Armstrong, who is brand new and he got second place. I think it's really exciting when it's your first year and you do that well. Women's 100 meter breaststroke, Lily King, who I love so much. She is me. And if you did not watch the Rio Olympics or the London Olympics, go back and look up Lily King Russian interaction. And basically it was a very, very tight race in the Olympics where we had a world championship world champion Russian swimmer right next to Lily King and Lily King needed to win that medal for USA and so she turned to her Lily King turned to the Russian and she waved her finger at her like no 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 after she won that is me (laughs) can you imagine like oh my god and the the Russian was so angry and uh, I just love it so much she's like "Mm -mm -mm, girl (laughs) not how it goes Um, and then Lydia Jacoby um, for the second person. And then women's 200 meter freestyle, Katie Ledecky, Allison Schmidt, Paige Madden, Katie McLaughlin, and Bella Sims. Allison Schmidt, um, Allison Schmidt is very good. And men's 200 meter butterfly, Zach Harding and Gunnar Bentz. Women's 200 meter individual, Alex Walsh and Kate Douglas. Women's 1500 meter. Damn, that's a lot of swimming. Um, oh my God, Katie Ledecky did it in 15 minutes and 40 seconds. Dang. Um, and then Erica Sullivan, like maybe 10 seconds behind. Men's 800 meter, Bobby Fink. That's a cool name. Um, and Michael Brengar. Men's 200 backstroke, Nick Fink and Andrew Wilson. Women's 200 meter butterfly, Hallie Flickinger and Reagan Smith. Men's 100 meter freestyle, Caleb Dressel. Now, Caleb Dressel is up and coming as well. He was very popular in the Rio Olympics and he's someone to watch out for. I really recommend you to go watch highlight reels of that. Zach Apple, Blake Pironi, Brooks Curry, and Bo Becker. Women's 200 bre- uh, breaststroke. Annie Lazar and Lily King. Now here's a story. Here's an Olympic moment for you. So Annie Lazar's dad died. Um, I think it was last year. And Lily King is her best friend. So she said, I'm going to get you on the Olympic team if it's the last thing I do. And um, she told her mother that as well. And she got first place and Lily King held back for her to get second. So I thought that was really cool. That's cool. And uh, she was like, you know, I told you I was going to do this for you and now we're going to go to Tokyo. It's pretty awesome. 200 meter backstroke men's Ryan Murphy and Bryce Mefford. Men's 200 individual Michael Andrew and Chase Collatz and women's 100 meter freestyle Abby Whitesell. She's very good. Erica Brown, Olivia... Moliga, Natalie Hines, Katie DeLoof, and Allison Smith. Men's 100 meter butterfly, Caleb Dressel, and Tom Shields. 
women's 200 meter backstroke, Ryan White and Phoebe Bacon. <laughs> women's 800 meter freestyle, Katie Ledecky and Katie Grimes. So I just want to put in your head how many races Katie Ledecky is qualifying for. <laughs> She's going to be a busy girl. Men's 50 meter, Caleb Dressel, Michael Andrew. Women's 50 meter, Simone Manuel and Abby Weitzel. So Simone Manuel was in another race, I think it was the 100 meter, and she did not qualify because she tied for third place because they really did reach the wall, her and the other chick, at the same time, but they gave it to the other one. So I was upset because you can kind of tell that Simone has an edge and that her hand touches the wall first, but all they use to look at that is instant replay and honestly, they can't stay there forever looking at third place. <laughs> if it was first place, you know, we'd be there all night, but she qualified for her other events, so that's good. And then in the men's 1500 meter, Bobby Fink and Michael Bringer. So you're saying, well, where's Nathan Adrian? He didn't qualify. And he, well, it's been difficult because he had, but he had cancer. And after he won his Rio medals, you know, he got married and then he found out he had cancer and he's been going through treatment and he's a lot better now. Obviously he's back in training and he's in remission, but he sadly did not qualify for Tokyo. So moving on to diving before we do, Ryan, are there any notable swimmers in your book that you want to mention? Well, uh, to be honest, uh, I really only follow the ones that I hear um, uh, at a glance. Uh, for me, I'm not too much into it, you know. Um, pretty pretty straightforward. Um, you're a tadpole for however long the event goes for. You're good, cool. And there you go. You know, and when yeah. Phelps came along, um, I appreciate that when it comes to the the, the me being able to stand the event uh, more so than it's just you know being laps and laps and laps is the physicality and the endurance and the dedication and work that it takes to do it um still felt being an example of somebody who has uh, that gift that many do not have uh of just being subhuman yeah. um you know just how it is it's really all i can you know kind of speak on when it comes to that when it comes to water sports i am starting to get into rowing a little bit more um than i did ever before but it's not highlighted as much right um the olympics don't really view they're like cool you have a canoe move on (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah notables in rowing though i will say uh arguably one of the best of all time is uh, from New Zealand, and his name's My Drysdale. He's 40 now, and he's he's not a gold medalist, but he has the most medals out of all of them. Mm, um, yeah. Uh, especially in the 2008 Olympics, he got a lot. Um, uh, he was born in Australia, of course, but he's five-time world champion in single skulls. Um, he's incredible um, and for rowing uh, just as it is pro rowers you know and Olympic rowers are sub two minutes per 500 meters okay so uh, to be fast 
2,000 meters you would get in uh, uh, you know, less than 10 minutes. Uh, so this guy was doing, um, I think his recorded time was 536 in 2,000 meters. Like that's, that's insane to roll that quickly. You think about it, you, you divide that in half, 2,000 meters, right? So like to do a two minute pace, which is statistically a pro rower pace, two, two minutes or under, that's what, per 500 meters, you would do two minutes. So in 10 minutes, you would do 2,000 meters, right? This guy's do 536 to 2,000. That's psychotic. <laughs> that's a crocodile. Uh, what did I say? Crocodile. <laughs> yeah, so crocodile in a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's just fast, you know? That's just too fast. Well, also, um, another sport yeah. like that, that, I mean, it's not like that, but I, it's how you're describing it. In winter, biathlon is crazy. They, so if you don't know what a biathlon is, um, audience, basically, they're, <laughs> I've, I watched it for like two hours in, 2018 so I was so invested in it they are on skis and it's basically cross-country skiing but then you you go to this like mini shooting range and you have to shoot yeah. perfectly at least three out of five times and if you don't you stay there and um you let the other skiers <laughs> pass you pass you and then you go around again and again and again and I, it's so and it's snowing and it's it's so hard dude like I was so invested in it and um for some reason France is really good at biathlon <laughs> okay um but yeah so okay so moving on to diving now this is actually a really fun sport to watch and I have a lot of friends who are divers and the amount of courage it takes to just you know, go on a platform that's, you know, 500 feet <laughs> above the water. Like, I, I am so not doing that. Um, in the women's individual platform, we have Delaney Schnell and Katrina Young. Now, how they score diving, you basically cannot make a splash. I mean, you obviously will, but as little as possible. Uh, you have to be completely straight going into the water. And your form in the air, depending on what dive you do, is calculated as such. And they do use the 1 through 10 scoring, but it doesn't come out to that in the results. It comes out to some weird decimal point because they- Yeah, because of mistakes and all that, yeah. Yeah, and it, they total up all of the dives that you've done, and that's your score. Because you have like six attempts at that dive, at least, in, at least in trials you do. I think in the Olympics it's three times, but don't quote me on that. So they total up all your scores, and whoever wins, wins. So in the individual springboard, Tyler Downs and Andrew Capobianco, that's almost my name. <laughs> Capobianca, how are you? Um, in third place, who did not qualify, was David Bo uh, Bodaya, who... I thought you were going to say David Bowie. That's you know. Um, David Bodaya is a Olympic medalist in diving, and he did not qualify on that dive, and that was surprising. I mean, he was in third place, which was really close. Um, it was separated by, you know, three-tenths or something like that, but 
very, very interesting. So also, I don't remember his name, but there's this 14-year-old kid who qualified for the Olympic diving trials, and he's in his little Speedo with all the grown men out there doing more difficult dives. So just shouting out to him. To be 14 and qualifying for the Olympics, are you serious? Like, wow. Well, that's like our cousin. That's true. That's like, that's like John. John, he he got he was Blackwatch uh, soccer league, and then he was doing he was getting ready to prep up for trials for his uh, ACL was torn. Yeah, I talked to him about like being a pro athlete. It was a fun conversation. Um, in the men's individual platform, Brandon Loshavo and Jordan Wendell in women's that's a sick indi- ass last name. I like that. Which one? Luchavo. Luchavo, yeah. Women's individual, Krista Palmer and Haley Hernandez. Okay, and then we move into men's synchronized diving. So basically, everything times two, and you have to do it at the exact same time as your partner. And you can also do, I did not know this, you can do your individual diving, but you can also compete for synchronized if you want to do that. So Yeah, I would be into synchronized <clears throat> a little bit more than, than regular. Yeah, because you like you, know? you look at it more. You're like, who are they? Are they in sync? <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not looking at just tadpoles. I'm looking at people, you know, like like trying to mirror each other, which is cool. Yeah. So we have Andrew Capobianco again, and Michael Hickson, and Delaney Schnell, and Jessica Parato. Ooh, I like that last name. <laughs> Girl. Um, then. Okay, this is okay. interesting. I just realized this. So you have synchronized platform and then synchronized springboard. So the platform is just literal the platform. It's not a diving board. It's just the highest, you know, platform in the building. But then you have the springboard, which is the diving board that springs you up to do more difficult dives. So that's just an interesting little fact. Sometimes they don't yep. even use a diving board. <laughs> oh yeah. So and then Last one, Allison Gibson and Krista Palmer. So that was the diving trials right there. And um, there are other Olympic trials. They're just not broadcasted. And so I can't really talk about them that much because they're really not happening. Uh, soccer is happening right right now. And the USA just beat Me- Mexico 4-0. So that was awesome. Um, and I'm looking at the, the headlines right now. And it says, meet the U.S. men's water polo team. I don't want to. Anyway. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Why? Like, why oh, do you? By the way. What's that? Most recently, speaking about trials, can we talk about the man of the hour or the man of the hours of last couple days? Brody Malone. Yes, we can. Jones. So, all right. Have you listened to my, my gymnastics episode? Yes, I have. Good. So I don't have what, to repeat okay. myself. Excuse, excuse uh, me. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, I, I'm your brother. I forgot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't know. Um, you just got back, so I wasn't sure. Um, so, uh, audience, if you didn't listen to that, please go listen to it. But also, I was fortunate enough to go to Fort Worth and see the U.S. Gymnastics Championships and see Brody Malone live, see Simone Biles live. I cried. Um, <laughs> I literally cried when she came out. I was like, this is this Oh my God. I just, wow. And um, so Brody Malone, he represents Stanford University and he won um, the championships. He was winning a lot. And um, 
then he won at trials, so he is guaranteed a Tokyo spot. And I think he's like 5'6". He has a killer still rings routine. Um, Yes. He... He's actually, I mean, he's an all-rounder, obviously, but um, when he gets on those rings, like, he does not move at all. And his floor is all right, and his vault is all right. His high bar is very good. His parallel bars are good, and his pommel horse is passable. As I discussed in the last episode, pommel horse is the hardest event. So that's why team Yeah. They were saying it was his weakest one, and then I saw it, and yeah. they were like, "No, he wasn't weak today. <laughs> he, yeah, he was good today. Yeah, and, and yeah, five six one fifty five. And what they were talking about is some of the other uh, with Yuri uh, Yuri Van Gelder and Zanetti and uh, uh, Yovchev and you know notables like that. They they're emotional, you know. They have distinct emotional reactions after yeah. their performances. He does not. Whereas this guy, they call him the stoic because he doesn't do it. Like, no. he just owns shit and moves on. Yeah. Like, incredible. And and Lu Yang, I like, too. Lu Yang's the shit. Um, uh, he is, uh, he's an artistic gymnast more so than anything uh, from 14, but he's 26 now and right. he won a gold. But Lu Yang, I like him too. But uh, this it, this Brody guy, he's he's gonna have a long career if he keeps it up. Yeah, and, and he's only uh, uh, twenty-one. Yeah, he's only, only twenty-one. And my favorite—I may have mentioned this to you just off recording or whatever. Just speaking about Olympics in general, disco, old school shit. Uh, Olympic athlete. He's Armenian, Albert Azarian. He's my favorite out of all of them. Former Soviet Soviet American uh, artistic gymnast. Um, he competed when the Soviet uh, Union was still functional. He's the 1956 and 1960 Olympic champion on still ranks. And five uh, nine. And uh, he was interesting because of the political strain that was associated with his. Uh, nation at the time and they scored him uh, poorly on purpose because of his affiliation not because of his performance still alive too 92 Damn. Uh, yes yeah, still alive three golds 56 Melbourne 56 for the team and then 1960 in Rome for the rings and got silver in 60 with the team um, four world championship golds in 54 and 58 combined and then silver for 58 Moscow horizontal bar and then European championships two golds in Frankfurt in 55 rings and parallel bars silver individual uh, overall um, uh, he developed what's called the Azarian cross so yes. because of the still rings, talking about how, how you have to hold it for two seconds, mm-hmm. this guy held it for 16 seconds. <laughs> yes. And if Incredible. in the cross, you will now see men using their palms and they let their fingers extend, meaning they are not putting pressure into their fingers and they get bonus points for that. So yeah. it's very, I have a whole, like, I have a whole 
honestly PowerPoint that I made for my own discretion um, of Olympic gymnasts that changed the game and um, and a little bit of college as well. But most of them are the people who created those moves, the Aminar, um, and the, the cross, the Chang, the Yurchenko, the Yurchenko full, um, the, let's see what else, Pac Salto, you know, stuff like that. So it's very interesting to dive into, and I might do an episode. Yeah. Um, and you talk about strength. That's just brute yes. physicality, calisthenic strength, non-weight training based stuff. That is just pure. And energy. just a fun fact, you may think, um, well, the guy with the, the biggest biceps is going to be the, the best on rings. Not no. necessarily true. No, no, no. Um, so like Donnell Wittenberg is freaking huge for Team USA. Um, or he, it, as dad would say, freaking he. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and he did not qualify, but he um, has these, these muscles like the size of my head. And um, he gets up on still rings and he can do these, he can hold it for hours and hours but the rest of his body is is strong but he has to lift that up you see and um that's why you know guys who are five one which there is one on the team he's honestly one of the best at pommel horse and rings because he doesn't weigh anything so yeah um moving on to the olympic timeline so if you haven't listened i made an episode called um about the olympic timeline based on 1980 to 2000s so all of these summer games in between there i talked about and i talked about the history and the most memorable moments when the winter olympics comes around i will do that again for winter i'm not gonna do it right now it's summer and um we're gonna start with summer of 1952 so that was in Helsinki. And also, if you notice, the medal count, the overall medal count at the end of the games is significantly less in the 50s than it is now. So if we end the Tokyo games, and let's see, uh, the US will have sub 300 medals, right? Total. And let's say China has 275, right? Those are normal numbers to me. But I'm looking at this, and the medal count overall, the U.S. The U.S. The U.S. edged out the USSR in the overall medal count, 76 to 71. And that's in 1952. So you can tell how many sports have obviously come to fruition because we only had 76 things that we meddled in. Um, now we have much more sports and more things that we can meddle in entirely. And um, so, yeah, it's just an interesting little fact. And this was before the ban that I talked about in the 1980 games. So Russian athletes participated in the 1952 games for the first time in 40 years. <laughs> just wrap that in your head um let's see soviet maria gorshevskaya 
set the limits on female competitors at earlier games, and she set a record for most medals won by a woman in one Olympics with two golds and five silvers. And that was back then. So, um, Czechoslovakian Emil Zotek set the Olympic record in the 5,000 meter race, 10,000 meter race, and the marathon. And, by the way, he had never run a marathon before. (laughs) Love that. I've, I've never done the event, but I'm going to win it and actually break a record and create a record. So, no biggie. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Fine. Um, also, there will be less memorable moments because we don't have as much documented, so it may go a little quicker than last time. Um, but as we get into the 80s and the 2000s, I'll have more to talk about here. So, in the summer of 1956, that was in Melbourne. In the Melbourne or Melbourne? Australia. <laughs> Um, okay let's see this was interesting quarantine laws did not allow the entry of foreign horses for equestrian events and so they had to to uh, do equestrian events for the Olympics for the Australian Olympics in Stockholm (laughs) earlier (laughs) so that's interesting I just didn't even know that happened. So, basically, if you were in the U.S. and you wanted to compete in the equestrian event in Melbourne, you could not do that. You would have to go to Stockholm and compete in there. So, interesting. Um, Those games started in late November because it's summer in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, The Netherlands, Spain, and Sweden boycotted the games in protest of the Soviet invasion of Hungary. Uh, Egypt, Lebanon, and Iraq did the same as a result of the Suze crisis. And then the People's Republic of China refused to participate due to the inclusion of the Republic of China. Quote, Taiwan. Um, East and West Germany are represented by one combined team. The Soviets dominated the field, winning 98 medals, while the Americans took home 74. In the closing ceremonies, for the first time, athletes from all nations enter the stadium in unity rather than marching by nation. So that's pretty cool. So a lot of history in the 1956 games. Yes, and it's interesting. Um, ladies and gentlemen, interesting is probably the most popular word we've used today, yes. and that's okay. But no, <laughs> uh, uh, you think about it in, in looking back, uh, how sports changes things. Yes. Um, uh, sports, uh, sports um, <laughs> changes stuff in the sense of how the environment of the world and the culture of the world and political climate of the world dictates sports and vice versa the other way around. Um, so it's inter- It's very interesting what's the, um, you know, what has gone on uh, from back then versus now, you know, um, uh, especially I think it was more rampant that it ever was prior to that um, back in the 50s and 70s because of the the mood of the world and how that uh, you know showed uh, you know uh, you know the policy changes and all of those things and yes. also the, the financial influence to it. The investors for the sport itself 
change all the time, you know. And back then, it's it seemed that that uh, money was far less available back during the USSR than it is now, you know. As I discussed, you know, the USSR has changed multiple times, broken up, become one unit. You know, it's it's a whole thing, and it always affects the Olympics. So, in the summer of 1960, that was in Rome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The first summer games covered by television worldwide. That's amazing. Um, can you imagine? Like, I just—it's really cool to me to think of when TV became a thing, because people did not have it before then. So, like, you actually had to go to the Olympics and/or read about it, um, see what happens. So, first time on television. A record of 5,348 athletes from 83 countries competed. 18-year-old boxer Cassius Clay, later known to be as Muhammad Ali, the light heavyweight boxing champion. So he that and, was his and debut. also yeah, um, another cool little little gem. We're still talking about that three-dimensional athlete, and Ali was one of those people that had a fourth dimension to him. Yes, you know. Jordan, him. Uh, let's see. Some people, some of the younger audience might even put LeBron in that conversation, but I don't. No. To have a fourth dimension, uh, but Ali definitely, no question. Um, and once again, political climate. He yes. was one of those people because of his faith. Um, and what that brought to the table, and how he was prolific about his faith, but he wasn't so much that brought him into controversy either, you know. So he found a very unique balance between who he was as a person and how he broadcast him uh, himself to the world as a person and as an athlete. That's a hard formula to figure out, you know. Yes, and um, also just unrelated, but I just finished the Mike Tyson docu series. That was really good. Very interesting guy. A lot of people wrote him off. Yeah, because he was the the best of all time for a, for a brief period, um, and got all this money and got really really crazy. Um, and it's easy to write him off because of that. Uh, but uh, apparently, there's going to be a, a Um, biopic about him. Yes. Um, and Jamie Foxx is going to play him. Oh, thank God. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, and and also parallel, Jamie Foxx was in the Will Smith version of Ali. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he was in that. And uh, um, so that'll be good to see. Um, and um, he said, apparently, uh, Jamie Foxx had has been quoted to say during the times on set with him and uh, his daughter was on set uh, with him during the filming or whatever, or when he would check in or whatever it is. And he was like, hey, I, I, I got to make sure to, to know where you are. You know, I got I to gotta know. You know, he was very obsessive about making sure that his daughter was safe and okay um, because uh, he had told Jamie Foxx that... Uh, You know, it was so much easier uh, to figure out what his priorities were because it was like, 
there, there nobody, no demons around me. I don't have any money anymore. You know? Yeah. Um, which is interesting to think about. Interesting again, number 74. <laughs> but uh, to think about that parallel of like, what comes with that territory? If you're the best of the world and um, that happens, you have all this money, you have all this you know, notoriety and everything, what could potentially happen? And segue back to what we were talking about earlier about the college athletes of, um, uh, you know, what could potentially happen if you're not careful with all that money. Yes, and here's something I want to um, ask you about. So there was an Ethiopian marathoner, and his name was Abibi. And uh, he became the first Black American, or excuse me, became the first um, Black American to take home the gold medal, but he did it running barefoot. <laughs> Would That's you do fun. that? Running barefoot doing what? A marathon. Sure. Really? Uh, depends on the even without. Uh, but I'm the psychotic type, though, in the sense of like, I hardly ever talk about this stuff. But like, if I'm going to be an athlete, and you know, someone came up to me and said, "This is what you're doing. You're going to do this," um, which is pretty much the same thing I just said. But you know what I mean. Uh, and this is your life. Here's your goal. Here's what's going on. Get over it. This your, your race is in a month and a half. And they told me you got to run barefoot. Um, and if I had incentive and I had a goal in mind, yeah, I'd do it. I do it because I enjoy the idea of. Uh, um, exploring boundaries of possibility. Yeah. Um, we all do. I think um, everybody's a little bit different of how much, how deep that goes. Um, but yeah, if I was paid enough, yeah, 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 I, I'd do it. I'd do it could, until I couldn't do it anymore. I'd at least try it. You know, I'd be like, all right, I'll take a stab at it. We'll see what's going on. Yeah. You know? Um, and I then, think I would enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then American Wilma Rudolph won three gold medals for running. Um, after taking amphetamines, Danish cyclist Knuf Jensen collapsed during a, a race, fatally fracturing his skull. Jesus. Wow. So basically, to recap that sentence took amphetamines he collapsed during a race and he crashed and he fractured his skull and he died so wow that's why you don't take amphetamines um wow it's insane um well probably probably the weather too other conditions keyed into it yeah and the soviets again led the pack with 103 medals 43 of them being gold to the americans 71 with 34 of them being gold then we move into the summer of 1964 it was also in tokyo so we are here again japan spent about three billion dollars to rebuild tokyo for the olympics revitalizing a city that had been devastated by earthquakes and world war ii bombings 25 olympic and world records were broken in the course of the games and japan's worldwide image 
got a significant boost. So same guy who ran the barefoot marathon, again, he did it again. This time, less than six weeks after having his appendix removed. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Soviet gymnast Larissa Latnina wins six medals for the third time in a row. She remains the Olympic athlete who, with the most medals, 18, and 14 of them being in individual events. Simone Biles, step it up. <laughs> um, oh, I want your thoughts on that. Um, I had watched the highlight of her for Tokyo, and they're really scrutinizing her a little bit about her style and all that. Um, what do you mean? Uh, in the sense of like how well she's doing for Tokyo and, oh, um, and all of that, and they they break a lot of stuff down about what how good she could, you know, how how much yeah. her legacy is gonna last and all that shit. I myself noticed a difference in her style. Um, to me, wasn't the best when I saw the trials. Wasn't the okay. best. Here's the it was thing. great. Here's thing. But Here's it thing. wasn't the best. I'm not talking shit. I'm no, just no, saying. no, no. I get it. I get it. I get it. I looked no. at her and I was going, she's done better than this. Well, she has. And that, I, that's why I said on record that Olympic trials was, uh, night two was the worst night of her career. It was. And why that is, I can't necessarily say. <laughs> um, I mean, when you're doing that well, for so long she hasn't lost a competition since 2013 yeah that's a lot of years here's the thing even on her bad night she's still better than everyone else and like i said last time when i was talking about her triple or no double your tanko even if she was undervalued she's still gonna win (laughs) like she's the result is not gonna change because she has a higher level of difficulty than everyone else and i think she is gonna be fine i think she's going to knock it out of the park in tokyo trials was just a fluke and if you're gonna have a fluke have it before the olympics and have it when you have a guaranteed spot i mean it was two main events that she didn't do well on or did not didn't do well she had mistakes um but she still finished with five scores that's the thing her lowest score that night was still passing was still in the yellow and never in the red ever ever i'm talking ever and the rest of her bad scores were in the green so shut up (laughs) like i i'm so pissed (laughs) at these people who are like well, she's lost her groove. Like, oh, this shut up. Just shut up. Get on the beat. Yeah, get on that. F- people, they were loud about it. Too. Yeah. They were like, we just don't know. And get, <laughs> get on that four inch beam and try to do a backflip with a blind landing. Please tell that's me. That's also, that's also very, uh, you know, very Tanya Harding. I am Tanya. Like, you it's know, good you just aren't good enough. Fuck. Um, <laughs> uh, I, Tanya, is very good at with Margot Robbie. Uh, Margot Hanay. I have decided she is one of my favorite actresses. Um, She's a good actress. She's not incredible, but she's good. 
She's in a lot of shit. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Wolf of no, Wall but Street. Hell yeah, in terms of Simone Biles, she's going to be fine. I wish people would just calm down. She's still, she will forever remain until someone surpasses her, the greatest female gymnast. No, I take that back. The greatest gymnast of all genders of all time. Because no, they put, that's too far of a stretch. No, no, okay, go back You're and- You're crazy. No, you need to go back on night one and watch how they put her flips right next to a male gymnast flipping, same flip, and she does it better. It's a triple twist that no one has done, no female has done on floor before. So they compared it to Eddie Penev and she gets higher than him and she lands it better. Okay, that's fine, but- So I'm talking about- best of all time. Yes, and I'm oh, talking God. about in events that are cross. So, obviously, females don't do still rings. So I'm not saying, like, some of the events don't cross over. But I'm saying in crossover events, floor, vault, stuff like that, she's better. Okay. So, I can't compare her on still rings. She doesn't do that. Um or parallel bars, they don't do that. I can't, you know, say that at all. The women have four apparatuses, the men have six. So there's two events right there that I can't talk about. No, three, because women don't do pommel horse um, that I can't speak about because I think in the crossover events, floor vault, she's better. Well, floor, I think she's the best of all time. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'd say that. But, yeah. uh, I thought you, know. you were saying like in general. Well, I, mean, I, I, uh, what did art- you do? Like when she came out, like what was your reaction? Well, actually, first I saw her doing warm ups, and I was like, "That's her, Dad. That's her, Dad. That's her." He's <laughs> like, "Where?" I mean, I'm like, "Right there, right there, there." And um, then we went to our seats, and they You're do like, their oh warm ups. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! They do their warm-ups, I take pictures, but I didn't, like, I didn't cry until they marched out as a team. And I was like, oh my god. Um, and, um, <laughs> just ask Dad about it, it was funny. Um, very great. But, um, also, Simone Biles has a lot of Olympic gold medals. No, not just gold medals in the Olympics. In all of her other world competitions, championship yeah. just you know like the amount if you're going by medals oh hello she's she's at the top of the game um but she here's the thing she's holding up the olympic team and that's why people call her and that's why i call her the greatest of all time because she's the leader of that team she's the michael jordan of gymnastics and um we don't have the magnificent seven anymore we don't have that's true. That's very true. Teams that are you don't have the Shannon Miller. No, and oh, yeah. by the way, she actually introduced the trials team qualifiers. That was pretty cool. Her and Amanda Borden, who I love. So it's it, the Magnificent Seven is a pure example of Team USA as a team. And then we have the fab five and the final five now we're at four then we're going back to five so it's always a team but now more than ever it is focused on the individual all-around scores and how well you do on every single event and 
we have those specialist spots, but I think those are probably going to go away by the next Olympics. Um, and that's why Team USA picked an all-rounder for that individual spot. Very, very smart. That uh, Simone Biles is a guaranteed spot. And even if she fell on every single event, she would still win because she's doing gymnastics that people have never dared to touch before. And what would you have, do though? Yeah. Well, okay. If they have, they are guys. That's what I'm saying. She's doing what the men are doing. And now she's bringing that to the women's arena and other gymnasts are trying that too. So it's created this whole movement of extra difficulty if they can do it because it is extremely dangerous. And if you can't do it and Simone Miles can, don't feel bad because she's just extraordinary. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, she's created I, I, this I, revolution. I, That's my yeah. answer. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more that she is uh, uh, gonna, gonna be one of the most notable uh, Olympic athletes of all time. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that, you know. Um, but what were you saying? Like, what, what would, would you be do? crazy? Like, what would, like, what, yeah, what I'm gonna, if she did fall, like, if she just really just had a poor performance, then, and, like, to the, to the point of, like, we're talking a Serena fall off, Serena Williams fall off. Like, if that happened, well, like, what would you do? Like, what, like, and she, and they scored her low, and they were like, sorry, sorry, so, man. Like, um, do you think it's even possible? And this is just curious. I'm here's not, the thing. I'm, I'm a spectator. For me, I just know what I know about her. And to me, I can agree more in general of what you're saying. I get it. You know, um, in don't terms give her of, off. it's a totally new a- avenue. So, just yeah. just a side note, Serena Williams just had to pull out of Wimbledon because she injured herself in the first round. Yeah. Um, yep, yep, yep. But anyway, so, um, okay. So my, my answer to that question, there's multiple answers, but the first part of that are you asking me in the Olympics if that happened? Or like yeah. in general? Okay. Um, so no other country has yet to touch Simone Biles' level of difficulty. And therefore, if she had like a horrible, horrible, horrible night, everything sucked. Most likely, most likely, she would still win. Are still no, no, hurt. that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting at. Though. Even yeah, if I, that was the case, and then they scored her to make her not win, what would you do? Oh, well, they undervalue her all the time. I've already talked about that. Um, but the thing is, the FIG has an open code, they don't value Simone's skills at what they are actually valued at because it's an open code. And like I said, these skills have never been done before. So there's no strict code yet because not enough people are doing it. And so even though Simone's doing triples and doubles and triples of things that have never been touched before, she can't get a permanent score because it's an open code. And it's also an open code because like I said, those skills are really dangerous and they don't want other gymnasts to see, oh, she got a 16.0 on that score. So I'm gonna try that move as well and then break their neck <laughs> but um so they they can only undervalue her so much and the coaches can petition 
and she can petition uh, to reevaluate those scores. Um, but if that happened, let's say in this Olympics, I don't know if this is going to yeah, be I'm, her. I don't know if this is yeah, going to be I'm her last Olympics, but yeah, I don't think it is. I really don't. I feel like she would have said something. Um, but no, I think if that happened, the other countries just aren't good enough to even if it was undervalued she would still have good scores unless like the only thing the two things that would give her like quote unquote a loss is if you know three things if she stopped in the middle of her routine and disqualified herself um if she if the other gymnasts have a higher level of difficulty which is just not possible right now and if she got a really bad injury and had to default um we have yet to see her injured she did have her ankle taped the other day but i i just that girl is trained so well her conditioning is insane and um she hasn't gotten injured yet that we have seen and so therefore it hasn't really affected her therefore she hasn't had to pull out so um i guess that's kind of a long answer to that but I probably won't know what I would do until it happens. I didn't know what I was going to do when Simone fell off the beam because she had never fallen off the beam uh, in years, years. And mom and I like screamed. (laughs) Um, But she got back up and still finished with a level of difficulty that was more difficult than the rest of the the gymnast. So, yeah. But um, moving on, did that answer it? (laughs) What? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just, because I love looking at, at all the possibilities because, like, we've seen a fair share of, of uh, sports scandals in general. So um, uh, it's it's fun to think about um, uh, what could, could potentially happen. No, it stresses me out. Don't do that. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Shut up. Shut up. It's not going to happen. Anyway. (laughs) Like if one judge was like, give the ball. No. (laughs) Fuck that. Well, also, the thing is, the thing I do really like about gymnastics, um, each event has different judges. Um, Yeah. And that can be that can be good or bad but in figure skating you just have one panel and you hope to god that everyone thinks you were good but yeah 